This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, right off the bat, a bit of a mea culpa is needed from yours truly. When programming the first show for tonight, I had inadvertently slotted in not a suspense, as is usually the case, but one centered on comedy. So my apologies to all who are into the scary stuff, but I'll return with that uh, show, that kind of show tomorrow in the first section, okay? I think you'll enjoy, though, our trip back to 1951 for the big show. By the early 1950s, sponsors were beginning to abandon radio for television. But nothing in the small screen had the class and sophistication of NBC's The Big Show. Although Mistress of Ceremonies Tallulah Bankhead and her guests from around the world of entertainment were definitely upper crust, Tallulah's friendly and accessible manner meant that the program was as entertaining in the parlor as it was in the garage. Tonight's special guests, Jack Carson... And Jimmy Durante. Welcome to The Big Show. Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy Wallington, welcoming you to The Big Show, a star-studded extravaganza sent your way with the best wishes of each and every top name on the show. And here is your hostess for the next half hour, the glamorous... Unpredictable Tallulah Bankhead. You know, there are weeks when we have the most handsome, divine men on the show. And then again, there's this week. But we're always delighted to have with us a young comedian who really knows his job. When you give him a script, he gets the meat out of every line. He's always on the ball. What I'm trying to say is he's a real meatball, Jack Carson. Could I answer her if I was clever? If I was clever, I wouldn't be on this show. My, he's a big one, isn't he? How tall are you, Jack? Six feet three in my stocky feet. Oh, what are you without your stocking? Barefoot. <laughs> no, how tall are you really, Jack? Well, now, Tallulah, maybe this will explain it. Lana Turner only comes up to my shoulder. Ginger Rogers can only come up to my chin. How about me, darling? <laughs> you can come up to my house. <laughs> I'd rather die. <laughs> I don't know of a better way. <laughs> Jack, were you always this tall? No, 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 not when I was born. As a matter of fact, I was only a, a medium-sized child. 
When I was 15 years old, I grew an extra foot. <laughs> well, that must have been pretty rough on your parents, buying three shoes at a time. <laughs> As a matter of fact, my parents were quite wealthy. Why, when I went to college, I didn't even go out for basketball. <laughs> I didn't need the money. <laughs> Not to change the subject, Jack, but you sing, you dance. I'm surprised you've never been in a play on Broadway. You'd be just right for a musical. Musical? Mm-hmm. Not me. I've had plenty of offers. You know, some years ago, a couple of guys came to me about doing a musical. <laughs> Silly idea for a show I ever heard of. The first place away was a cowboy story. It took place down in Texas or Wyoming or Oklahoma, I don't know. They didn't even have a chorus of girls to open up the show with. They wanted me to open the show and come out on the stage by myself with this cowboy outfit and sing something about, uh, uh, oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Imagine those two guys, no chorus or anything. Isn't that rich? <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> that musical ran seven years. <laughs> seven years? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a beautiful morning. But darling, darling, think of it another way. With you in it, it wouldn't have run at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you for the life. That makes me feel much better. That's it. Now, take it easy. May I borrow your hanky? Well, of course, darling. Here you are. There, now, blow. Thank you, Silver. Goodbye. Ah, now, come back here. Why don't you put yourself together and sing us a medley of some of the hit songs from some of the hit shows you turned down? Ah, now, you're making fun of me. (laughs) But honestly, Tallulah, how can you tell if a song's going to be a hit or not, especially when you examine the lyrics they write? Take an old standard song like, well, uh, like uh, A Peg of My Heart. Listen to this. Take my heart I love you Don't let us part I love you I always knew It would be you Since I heard your building laughter It's your Irish heart I'm after Peg of my heart Your glances make my heart say How's chances come be my own Come make your home in my heart. Well, Jack, that was very pleasant. Yeah, I know. I I sing like a doll, but... (laughs) Did you get a load of those lyrics? Listen to this. Peg of my heart, come make your home in my heart. I, I know there's a housing shortage, but... Isn't that carrying things a little too far? Well, let's see if it is. Now, I'm Peg, and I've just come to town from Alabama. I I need a room. And I look in the classified section of the medical journal. I find your advertisement, and I come knocking at your heart. Yes, miss, what can I do for you? Well, I saw your ad in the paper. Is your heart still for rent? What's your name? Peg. Oh, sure, sure. Come on in. Well, I, I want to look around first and see if I like it. Uh, how many rooms are there? Four. Left oracle, right oracle, left ventricle, right ventricle. <laughs> well, it's a kind of a large apartment for me. Well, it's a six-foot, three-story building. Well, all I really need is two oracles and a valve. Well, there's a valve right down the coronary. <laughs> but no, all I need is the two oracles. I have no use for the uh, ventricles. Well, I need them. <laughs> 
If it wasn't for them, the building would fall down. Well, is it uh, centrally located? Uh, right on the main artery. <laughs> and there's a wonderful view of the East Liver. <laughs> but it, uh, it seems rather stuffy in here. Don't you have cross ventriculation? <laughs> oh, it's airy enough. You just follow the rules. No drinking. I never touch it, sir. <laughs> I don't care if you touch it, just don't drink it. <laughs> Gives me heartburn. Well, I hope it's quiet in here. Oh, sure, sure. It's a very quiet neighborhood. There's only a couple of kidneys that live back there. They just float around. <laughs> well, it is the only apartment you have. I mean, how about that penthouse up in your head? That's empty, isn't it? <laughs> yes, but I don't want a tenant like you in my hair. Goodbye. <laughs> And now, darlings, I want you to meet two tenants who moved into my heart a long time ago. James Mason, the distinguished actor of the British cinema and more recently Hollywood, and his talented wife, Pamela. (laughs) Seldom does a short story outlive the span of the magazine issue in which it is printed, but occasionally one comes along that has the power and force which make it timeless. We have such a story tonight. So, without further ado, Mr. and Mrs. James Mason will bring us the Samuel Blast classic, Revenge. It's done. I killed as any man would have killed. I run as any man would run. Beside me, Elsa stares straight ahead at the highway. Her lips are blue and swollen, her face battered. Her expression is grave, almost serene, almost dead. How long ago was this morning? How many miles back to the glade where the breakfast she had cooked in the trailer had mingled its rich smells with the even richer smells of autumn? Look out there, dear. Have you ever seen anything so beautiful? Only you. You still think so? I've never thought anything else. Since the first day you entered my literature class eight years ago. Oh, you looked so stern, so forbidding, so unapproachable. I thought you'd have a foul temper. I? <laughs> Were you disappointed? No. I'm glad we had that tower puncture last night. That's a strange thing to be glad about. Only because it stranded us out here like this, away from the trailer camps. Away from everybody and everything. Two more days, we'll be home again, and you'll have your classes, and I'll have the children again. I'm very grateful for these few hours, just the two of us. And I'm very grateful for you, Elsa. There'll be other days like this for us, other years, other vacations. Not if you don't go and get that puncture repaired. Is there a town nearby? A place named Campbellton on the map. I think it should be about uh, 12 miles. Good. By the time you get back, I'll have the dishes done and everything in order. You're going to ride in with me? I'll wait around a messy service station. I have work to do, my good man. And it's such a beautiful spot. But you'll you'll be here alone. I've been alone before, silly. What could possibly happen to me? What could possibly happen? It seemed that nothing could then. An hour out of the space of a lifetime. An hour to repair a tire. Only an hour. 
But when I drove back from the town, she wasn't outside the trailer waiting for me, and I knew with a terrible certainty that she'd be there unless something was wrong. Elsa? Elsa, I'm back! Elsa! Elsa! Can't you hear me? Elsa, you hiding in here? Where? Elsa. She was there, huddled on the floor in the corner. She was crying without a sound, the tears mingling with the blood on her bruised and beaten face. She stared at me dully like a beaten animal. And then she started to whimper. He killed me. He killed me. What happened? Good heavens, Elsa, what happened to you? Don't touch me. Don't hurt me. Elsa, it's me. Me, Philip. What happened? Philip. He killed me, Philip. While you were gone, he... He killed me. Oh, Elsa. Who did it, Elsa? Who did it? Salesman. Said he was... Salesman. Elsa, get up. Let me carry you to the car. To a doctor. No. No. No, doctor. He called police, newspapers, the children. Where is the man? Who was he? Salesman. Are you sure? Did he did he carry a sample case? A display? Yes. Case. He was passing on his way to town. He saw the trailer. I told him we didn't need anything. Then he hit me, Philip. He wouldn't stop. He killed me. I washed her face the way I'd washed the face of a child. She stared at me blankly, as though all feeling had stopped, as though the world had stopped for both of us. I changed the trailer to her, and she stood there watching me with those same leaden eyes. When I finished, I took the thick, heavy jack handle and slipped it under the waistband of my trousers. I knew what I was going to do, what I had to do. drive slowly through the town. Do you understand that? Yes. We go up and down every street. Every street, every alley, every road. You'll see him. Keep watching and you'll see him. He'll hurt me, Philip. He'll never hurt anybody again. Just watch. Watch. Faces passed and merged into a red haze. I wanted to scream like an animal, consumed with hatred for a man I'd never seen. A man I was only going to see once. Endless hours and endless streets went by. And then... That man. There. That man. You're sure? That man. He carried a sample case. And he moved into the lobby of a cheap hotel. I followed him into the elevator. I saw the room number on the tag of the key in his hand. He looked at me once, and I smiled at him. When he got off, I rode up one more floor and walked down. I found the number of his room. Yeah? May I come in? Sure. 
You a local merchant? No. I see you're a salesman. That's right. What's your line? I'm an instructor. A father. A husband. Hey. Hey, what's the matter with you, fella? What are you going to do with that thing? I'm going to... Kill you. Kill you. Kill you. Kill you. Elsa knows. But she sits in the car staring straight ahead. The motor hums in a vast silence. Square yellow signs blaze out of the darkness. Danger. Sharp curve ahead. The revenge is behind now. Hours behind. 200 miles behind. A dead face. Blood on a cheap rug. A moment for death. A lifetime from a remembrance. Clocks can't be turned back. Nothing can be stopped or undone. A red sign glares out of the night like anger. Like a flame. Gasoline. Why are we stopping, Philip? Gasoline, dear. Oh, gasoline. The attendant is inside, making change for a customer. The man comes out, stuffing a receipt oh. into his briefcase. Oh. That man, Philip. What? That man with the briefcase. Elsa. He's the one, Philip. He did it. That man. Elsa. My God. What have I done? Oh, my God. further now without introducing a man we have on our show who is indispensable to any show he's on. Am I right? Right! Oh, you can't have a show without the ready. You gotta have the fabulous James. You can hear him high above the saxes and brass. That's the only way to give the brasses some class. That's the way to give him what appeals to the mass. You gotta give Jimmy a no And we are not going to do without Durante any longer, for here he is singing in my strutterway, the one and only Jimmy Durante. I just got back from Washington today. And really, folks, I've got a lot to say. Now, while I was there, I met the adjutant general. And what he told me put me in a daze. Why, for days and days and days. And days and days and days for a week. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a guy going on business for himself. <laughs> the adjutant general says, Jimmy, 
You've been invited to entertain at the White House. He said it'll be a gather of the intelligentsia, the hoipalore, the 400, the 500, the 600, the 700, the 800. <laughs> Everywhere you go, critics. <laughs> then he said, Jimmy, what do you do when you're called upon to entertain? I said, Mr. Adjunction General, what'll I do? I'll tell you. Why, in the midst of festivities, I'll get up, I'll get up, and do my strutaway. In my cutaway, it's just a hop away, a slide away, and a scram away. And then you skitter right down and you go to town with a twist away. Why, when you strut away, this way it's a holiday. You know, I was dancing a strut away with a girl named Suzette when she accidentally backed into a hot radiator. Zip, rep, Suzette! <laughs> It's a dance that's gonna gain great renown. You know, I know a beautiful gal invited me up to her apartment to teach her this dance. I was in the apartment ten minutes when who walks in? Her husband. Kind of perturbed. <laughs> he said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm putting on my white tie. I'm putting on my top hat. I'm putting on my top white tie. To do my strut away. Doing a strut away. Say, did you ever have the feeling that you wanted to do? Just strut away. Why the hop away? Just cram away. And then you skitter right down and you go to town doing a strut away. Now hop away. Just cram away. Once more. You know, folks, I'm happy to tell you that I just bought a brand new convertible coupe. Boy, what a car and what an invention it's got. You push a button, the top stays where it is. But the bottom falls out. <laughs> so what did I do? I did the crawl away, not the strut away. Did you ever have the feeling that you wanted to do the strut away? The hop away, the spam away, once more. Now, Chaloo? Now, Jimmy. Now, I ain't in the mood. Oh, come on, Jimmy, what's the matter? Every time I come on this show, you always got some high-class actor playing those dramatic parts, like the James Mason. What about me? I'm as good as them English actors, to mention a few, Robert Donuts, Charles Lafton, <laughs> Betty Grable. Jimmy, Betty Grable's not English. I know, but sometimes when you mention a product on radio, they send you a sample. <laughs> Well, well, I didn't know that. Uh, Fort Knox. Uh, and he is, too. Oh, I didn't know you were a dramatic actor, Jimmy. Why, I've played on everything Shakespeare ever wrote. Oh, come now, Jimmy, not everything. Unless he's written something lately. Oh, I'd love to do a scene from Shakespeare with you, Jimmy. How about one of those warm, tender love scenes? Just you and I, darling. Okay. <laughs> Come closer, closer, that's it. Go on, Jimmy, look at me. Look at me, darling, and then you say... Is this a Dagmar which I see before me? <laughs> How's that, Duluth? <laughs> well, that's very good, Jimmy, but I don't seem to recognize the line of Shakespeare. You don't recognize that famous scene from Mack Truck? <laughs> that's the famous silk coat. That's the famous... Sequilla, uh, 
I thought this was one show I could go right through without a spit. Get me a doctor. I just split my parsifal. Jimmy, I didn't know that you were so well-versed in the classics. When they wanted somebody to play Cyrano the Bergerac, did they ask me? No. They get some guy named Josephine Perret. <laughs> He's a phony. Him and his nose. <laughs> he wears a falsy. <laughs> I know. I know just how you feel, Jimmy, about somebody playing a part that you know you're best suited for. Well, I was talking to Mrs. Mason about the same thing. Chalou, if you and I teamed up and went to England, we'd have them rolling in the British Isles. <laughs> we'd be the greatest stars they ever saw. Who knows? The king might even knight us. Well, well, Sir James Durante. Well, well, Sir Tulula Bankhead. <laughs> What, Jimmy? Let you and I play that scene the Mason just played. That story called Revenge. But, oh, we'll need an extra player to play the salesman. Oh, I know. Maybe Jack Carson might oblige. Jack, darling. Yes, Tallulah? Would you care to take a part in the play that we're going to do? The play the part I'll of... I'll do it. Uh... <laughs> well, wait a minute. Let me tell you what the part Doesn't is. Doesn't matter. I'll take it. I'm not turning down anything anymore. Slime will be a hit. <laughs> well, all right. Now, Jimmy, we're all set for revenge. We're going to do the sequel. Avenge, son of revenge. <laughs> uh, meditate. Some music, if you please. <laughs> it's done. I killed as any man would have killed. With my embroidery scissors. <laughs> It happened like this. We were riding along in a trailer. I was at the wheel. My wife was driving. <laughs> it was dark out, but I could tell where we were going by following the black line in the middle of the white highway. <laughs> it was a white highway for night driving. <laughs> Suddenly there was a sound of a flat tire. Why don't you watch where you're driving, stupid? <laughs> that was my flat tire speaking. <laughs> I pulled over to the side of the road and jacked her up. Put me down, you fool. <laughs> You'll have to go to town and get another tower. What's the nearest town? Chelsea. I'll start now. Will you be all right here alone? Well, I hope so. Of course, if a burglar breaks in, it'll be quite a shock. He'll get over it. <laughs> well, I'm off to Tulsa. How are you going to get there? I'll walk. It's only 400 miles. <laughs> well, give me the sign. <laughs> Believe me, I didn't lose my place. What could possibly happen? I was only gone four weeks. <laughs> Nothing could happen to her. She can lick any man or wait. <laughs> what a built on that gal. Four short weeks. A fortnight. <laughs> wait a minute. 
I was only gone half that time. A cuteness. <laughs> when I got back, everything was quiet. I called to her. Mabel! Mabel! No answer. Of course not. That's not her name. <laughs> Geraldine! Selma! Jessica! Sam! <laughs> Just in case a man answers. <laughs> And I remembered her name. It was Elsie. 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 <laughs> there she was lying on the floor. The tears streaming down her bruised and beaten face. Her lips blue and swollen. Her eyes red and glazed. Yeah. She looks awful in the morning without makeup. <laughs> I spoke to her. Elsie, speak to me. Who done it? Tell me who done it. Speak to me, Elsie. She killed me. <laughs> Philip, she killed me. That ain't Elsie. That's the salesman. <laughs> she gave me such a smash. She just utterly killed me. Why? Why did she do it? I do not know. I simply do not know. <laughs> I rang the bell, and she opened the door. And all I said was, I beg your pardon, is... Is your wife home, sir? <laughs> she killed me. She just utterly killed me. Would you recognize her if you saw her? I do not know. I simply... Do not know. <laughs> Listen, we're going to drive to Tulsa and find her. We're going to drive down every street, every alley, every road in Tulsa. You'll see her. We'll find her if we have to go to every town in Oklahoma. Oklahoma! Oh, no. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Fibber McGee and Molly. And oh, I can feel the pain already. Fibber's got a toothache. Hmm, I wonder if they're going to use that old extraction method, you know, the string and the doorknob. Well, let's see what happens to help Fibber get that pain away. Hmm. The Johnson Wax Program. <laughs> Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Marion and Jim Jordan as Fibber McGee and Molly with Donald Novice, The Four Notes, and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with Don't Ever Leave Me. attention. If you had a chance to trade a dirty, discolored automobile for a beautiful, shining car that your family would be proud to ride in, you'd make the trade in a hurry, wouldn't you? Well, do you know that if your car is now foggy, streaked, and neglected looking, you can, within an hour, change its appearance completely so that the finish will shine like a mirror? Now, all this is possible if you use Johnson's Car New, a remarkable new type auto polish that both cleans and wax polishes your car with one application. Johnson's Car New 
takes the work out of polishing automobiles just as Johnson's self-polishing glow coat has taken the work out of polishing floors. With car new, the complete job takes less time and effort than was formerly required for the cleaning process alone. The results are almost miraculous. Although Carnew has been on the market only a few months, thousands of car owners will tell you that this double-action cleaner and wax polish is the easiest, most satisfactory product they have ever used. Women can wax polish their cars alone with this easy-to-apply liquid polish, which requires no hard rubbing. Carnew dries quickly to a white powder. Wipe off the powder, and all the dirt and road film disappear. Your car takes on a dazzling brilliance that will make you exclaim... Why, your car looks like new when you use car new. C-A-R-N-U. Johnson's Car New. Buy it where automobile supplies are sold or at your regular wax dealers. Papers are full of track meets, Olympic candidates, and other sporting news. But Fibber is staying home with a little oral athletic event of his own, a jumping toothache. And here in the living room at 79 Westful Vista, we find a derelict of dental devastation, soothed by a sympathetic spouse, Fibber McGee and Molly. Ah, you poor dear. Is my face any more swole, Molly? (laughs) It certainly is on one side. You look like a composite photograph of Laurel and Hardy. (laughs) Believe me, if I'm hardy enough to last through the day with this toothache, I can rest on my laurels. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch! That's right up there. It goes again. Now, look, McGee, you've either got to make up your mind to go to the dentist or do something else. Oh, okay. Okay what? Let's do something else. (laughs) Come in. Did somebody knock? No, but they're going to. This tooth has got me so sensitive, I anticipate things. (laughs) You see? Come in. Mr. Benny? No, this is Tuesday. Oh, darn it, I must have overslept. (laughs) (laughs) Overslept. How does my face look now, Molly? Well, to be sympathetic, not so bad. But to be frank, it's terrible. Oh. Listen, McGee, remember how people used to put a string around a loose tooth and tie it to the doorknob? <laughs> oh, yeah, but the... Hey, you ain't going to do that to me, are you? Well, it seems to be a choice between the doorknob or the dentist. Okay, I'll take the doorknob. The dentist is definite, but the string might slip. <laughs> Go ahead, there's some string in that drawer. Heavenly days, look at this drawer. Looks like a tornado in a ten-cent store. Fishing tackle, pipe cleaners, dominoes, bicycle clips. Is that where them bicycle clips are? I've been looking for them since 1912. <laughs> Ow! Now, be brave, dearie. It won't be long now. Here's the string. Now, open your mo- mouth wide. I want a room to tie a nice bow knot. A bow knot on my tooth? Yes. I want it to look neat if anybody should come in. Oh. <laughs> there, now. You sit in that chair and make yourself comfortable while I tie the other end to the doorknob. There, now. Oh, 
Don't, don't come in. Don't come in. There's nobody oh, home. For goodness sakes, McGee, you can't put it off forever. You ought to be glad there was no suspense. Now brace yourself, dearie. Okay. Come in. Oh. Oh. Is my tooth out, Molly? No, dearie, it pulled the knob off the door. Oh. What was it you wanted, sir? Oh, would you be interested? Would you be interested? I'm taking some script. I'm, t- I'm working my way through the universe. universe. Do you need any magazine? Mag- Do you take time? <laughs> What? Well, I'm referring to the public to the public to the You see, we're having a sales competition. A sales competition. Well, how about Collier's? <laughs> no, thanks, but I got a bad eye tooth and I can't read. Well. <laughs> oh, well, what well, just you... this week we're we're featuring a combination. a combination. This offer is so spectacular. Spectacular. It's so spectacular. Say, excuse me, brother, but there's a piece of string hanging out of hanging out. There's a piece of string hanging. Hey, lady, you got him hooked. Why don't you pull him in? I think he's got a string on his own team. <laughs> With slip knots. Well, as long as the doorknob idea didn't work, McGee, you got to go to the dentist. Let's go down and see Dr. Gildersleeve. Oh, not that Gildersleeve. Why, he's a very good dentist. We used to go to school with him, remember? Yeah. <laughs> I think you don't like him because he used to have a crush on me. <laughs> I've outgrew that, but I never did like that. I wouldn't let him fill a tooth in my pocket comb. <laughs> I ain't going. You're not? No. What? Uh, shall we walk or take the car? <laughs> We'll walk. The fresh air will do you good, dearie. Come on now. Oh, okay. Sweep them leaves off this porch. Put near there, Molly? Yes, dearie. Do you feel any better now? Oh, no. Every step I take, I get a sharp shooting pain in that tooth. Oh, heavenly days. Here, open your mouth, McGee. Oh. There, now, is that better? Oh, boy, I'll say it is. What'd you do? I took the string off. You've been dragging that doorknob for two blocks. <laughs> You're as sweet as a red rose in June, dear. I love you. Adore you, I do. Each night through love land we wander, sweetheart, telling love stories anew. Out of a blue sky, a dark cloud came rolling, breaking my heart. Don't leave me alone I love only you You're the one rose that's left in my heart 
That was Donald Novus singing the Juan Rose. Beautiful song, too, Don. Didn't you think so, Molly? I certainly did, Mr. Novus. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks. But say, folks, did you ever hear how that song came to be written? The Juan Rose? No, I don't believe so, Don. How? Well, down in Tin Pan Alley, one composer got jealous of another composer and put a firecracker under his piano stool. Uh-huh. Well, uh, what happened? The Juan Rose. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see you later, folks. <laughs> The one rose. <laughs> well, after a bloomer like that. <laughs> Ouch, that rabbit there goes Why, again. Mr. McGee, what seems to be the matter? Oh, how do you do, Mrs. Uppy? Oh, how do you do, Mrs. McGee? And Mr. McGee? Oh, hi, Uppy. <laughs> do you realize that your face is horribly swollen, Mr. McGee? Uh, yes, I think he's noticed it, Mrs. Uppington, haven't you, dear? Oh, yes. I, I saw it in a mirror this morning. <laughs> So I looks at it, and I says to it, I says, Mirror, mirror on the wall. Do you think this dad ratted swelling will be gone before fall? <laughs> oh, my, how ridiculous. So too. Oh, but really, Mr. McGee, you should do something about that face of yours immediately. Oh. That's a coincidence, Uppy. The, the first time I met you, I says the very same... McGee! Saint- <laughs> <laughs> He's got a bad toothache, Mrs. Uppington. We're on our way to the dentist. Oh, oh, I see. But confidentially, I am rather superstitious about mirrors myself. (laughs) They do tell the truth about yourself. Now, for instance, Mr. McGee, look at this one in my handbag. Does this one say anything to you? It's kind of cracked, Uppy. (laughs) Yes, isn't it? (laughs) Well, so nice to have seen you again. Goodbye. certainly walked right into that one, dearie. <laughs> you know, sometimes I wonder if Uppy ain't a little smarter than she looks. And then again, I realize she'd almost have to be. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa there, Johnstown! Whoa! Hello there, Johnny! Hello, daughter! Know where I can find a good dentist? <laughs> There's several right down in the middle of the block, old-timer. I'm on my way to one myself. Much obliged! Johnstown's here got a bad wisdom tooth. Oh, you mean that mule? You taking him to the dentist? Hey! She says you can't take a mule to a dentist's office. The proper place for mules is behind the plow. <laughs> or under the bed. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good, Johnny. And that's just about the way I heard it. <laughs> Only the way I hear it, a feller named McGee says to me, Say, says, you can't take a mule to a dentist. Why not, says I, taking a burr out of his tail. He wouldn't have neglected his teeth if he hadn't have been a jackass. <laughs> well, that's an awfully funny-looking mule, Mr. Oldtimer. <laughs> his left shoulder's a little high. Yep, he, he's a California mule. Very unusual wither. (laughs) Come on, Johnstown. Johnstown's a good mule. 
than that taking a mule to a dentist? Oh, so I'm acting silly, am I? Oh, I didn't mean you. I'm Say, do you mean me? <laughs> Come on, McGee. Here's Dr. Gildersleeve's office. I hope he gets this over with quick. So do I. What's that magazine there, McGee? This one? Yeah. Leslie's Weekly of April 10th, 1911. Oh. <laughs> well, give me that one over there. Hello there, folks. Say, have I got great news for you. What is it, Mr. Wilcox? Has peace broken out in Europe? No, no, but listen I was telling the dentist next door all about Carnew You know that new Johnson auto polish that takes almost no effort to use? Oh, yes, we know, Harlow We got the same sponsor, remember? (laughs) What about it, Mr. Wilcox? Well, I was telling this dentist how Carnew would give his dingy old automobile A gorgeous, glittering salesroom appearance How all he has to do is apply it to the clean surface And let it dry and wipe it off And presto, his car looks so high hat He's afraid to drive under a viaduct Oh, my Well, of course, being a dentist He appreciated the value of a product like Carnew that would clean and polish in one operation. Ain't he wonderful, folks? We had to train him to do that without gestures so he wouldn't knock himself out. <laughs> but, uh, Mr. Wilcox, what's so unusual in telling a dentist about Johnson's Carnew? Why don't you get it? It's the old story. Man bites dog. Patient gives dentist wax impression. Is that terrific or is that terrific? <laughs> gives dentist wax impression. What old Harlow needs is a pivot tooth. All his conversation revolves around Johnson's wax. <laughs> Ouch! That red dirt goes again. Well, I don't imagine we'll have to wait long. No, there's nobody ahead of us. I bet you there is, I bet you. Oh, hi there, little girl. Oh, are you waiting to see the dentist, little girl? Hmm? Are you waiting to see the dentist? No. I've seen one. Oh. He wears a white apron like a butcher. Oh. <laughs> Please, sis, that, that ain't a very pleasant picture you're drawing for me. I'm not drawing a picture, I bet you. I'm just sitting here. <laughs> oh, you are, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hmm? <laughs> She's kind of young for dental trouble, ain't she, Molly? Yeah. What seems to be your trouble, sis? I hope you ain't been eating too much candy. Why? Well, it ain't good for you. It's all that rich stuff, rich stuff that ruins your teeth when you're young. Remember that. Well, gee, I bet you... Hmm? I says you better take good care of your teeth while you're little or you're liable to lose them premature. Um, Don't you believe me? Definitely no. (laughs) Dental decay is not necessary and arbitrarily due to the consumption of foods high in caloric values, although undoubtedly there's a definite connection between dietary deficiencies and oral hygiene. It is my personal belief that hereditary factors are far more important. Or in other words, if you're a guy with bum teeth, so's your old man.
your cheeks off the silk. They help complete you till I could meet you, baby. Da re da 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 da. Hooray for sunshine! Hooray for air! They put the permanent in your curly hair. They help to raise you till I could praise you, baby. Baby, bless the summer that freckled your nose. Those galoshes shelled your toes. Bless the fellow who taught you to kiss. If he taught you to kiss like this, hooray! Oh, hooray for spinach! Took you far. Bless all the nourishment in each candy bar. They helped you grow up till I could show up and love you as you are. Great for spinach, took you far. Bless all the nourishment in each candy bar. They helped you grow up till I could show up and love you as you are. Great for spinach. The four notes singing "Hooray for Spinach," garnished with a few hard-boiled eggs laid by or led by Billy Mills. <laughs> Very commendable, kids. Hey, Molly, if Doc Gildersleeve don't call us pretty soon, I'm. Gonna... Oh, there, Molly. Oh. Hello, McGee. Hi. Nice to see you. Step right in. Well, thank you, Doctor. McGee has a tooth that's bothering him. Yeah. Yes, bad-looking face there. Oh. <laughs> Sit right in the chair here, McGee. Okay. Now lift your chin while I put this bib on you. Oh, I don't believe I could eat anything right now, Doc. Oh. <laughs> Quiet, My, the doctor knows what he's doing. Take a good look at that tooth, Doctor. I think maybe it's ulcerated. Certainly, Molly, certainly. <laughs> Which one is it, McGee? Now! That's it, all right. Oh. <laughs> Looks very bad, too. I- I'm afraid I'll have to give you gas. Oh, uh, gas. Man bites dog again. Somebody gives McGee gas. <laughs> Have I got to take gas, Doc? Ain't you got any other anesthetics? Oh, several, McGee. Cocaine, Novocaine, Monocaine, Coppercane, Libricane, and Ambracane. Well, take your choice, McGee. The cane you ring is the cane you get. <laughs> Listen, you two, lay off the vaudeville. Go ahead, Doc. Give me Novocaine. Give me sugar cane. Give me gas, but give me. Get that tooth out of there. And don't hurt any more than you have to. Just remember, Doc, remember our boyhood friendship and take it gentle. Ah, yes, the good old days. Public school 14. Yeah. I had quite a crush on you in those days, Molly. Oh, now, (laughs) Wilbur, I mean Dr. Gildersleeve, you didn't really. Oh, yes, I did. Don't you remember that big valentine I sent you? It was two feet across, covered with lace and filled with bonbons. (laughs) Oh, I was so bashful, I was even afraid to sign my name to it. Well, was that from you, Wilbur? McGee said he sent that. Oh. (laughs) Yes, yes, he would. (laughs) Well, I guess all's fair in love and war, Molly. Between you and me, it was love. Between Fibber and me, it was war. <laughs> I remember. And say, will you ever forget the time Listen, we went on folks, the... I hate to take the dew off your beautiful forget-me-nots, but could you spare a thought for a poor, suffering fugitive from a forceps? Excuse me, McGee, I'll get right at it. Okay. Now, just lean back and take it easy. I'll lean back. You take it easy. Now, put this mask over your face and breathe deeply. Oh. Is that for the gas, Doctor? Yes, I'll give him nitrous oxide. 
Although for actors, I usually give mustard gas. It goes well with the ham. (laughs) (laughs) Quiet, McGee. Now, breathe deeply. I'll turn on the gas. Oh, will it hurt him, Doctor? Oh, he'll never know what's happening. You know, Molly, I often think of those old days in the little red schoolhouse. Do you remember Miss Fiditch, our old school teacher? Oh, yeah. Oh, you mean the one that... Oh, listen, doctor, listen. Gotta hurry. Don't want to be late for school. He's dreaming. Oh. You heard us mention the old school days. People under gas are very impressionable. Want to get there before old Fiditch. (laughs) Got a great trick I'm going to play on Wilberforce Gildersleeve. <laughs> Never know who done it either. <laughs> oh. All right, children. School is dismissed. <laughs> hey, Molly, can I carry your books? Sure, you can, Stinky McGee. But don't let the teacher see you. She'd faint if she saw you with a book in your hand. <laughs> oh, boy, some Wilbur? Wilbur? Wilbur Gildersleeve, you come right back here. Oh, me, Miss Fiditch? What for? You know very well what for, young man. You march right in here. Oh, boy. Faith, and it looks like Wilbur's playing in hard luck now. Did you see the picture of Miss Fiditchi was after drawing on the blackboard? Sure, Molly. But he's being a darn foolhardy for signing his own name to it, I'm thinking. <laughs> Don't you, Stinky Puss? Hey, listen, kids. Listen, kids. I drew that picture myself and signed his name to it. Oh, yeah! Don't joke, huh? <laughs> Gee, I wish teacher hadn't kept him after school. She promised me I could polish all the desks. Ah, uh, Faith, and you're always wanting to be polishing something, Harlow. <laughs> well, I like to polish things, Gee. Hey, Stinky, what you got on? A badge. And what's the letter on it say now? You can read it. 23 Skidoo. <laughs> I love my wife, but oh, you kids. <laughs> ah, Faith, it is a lot of nonsense. I'm having a badge of two kids, and it is saying I need a very good joke. Chicken inspector. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to wear my badge, Molly? Uh, sure, Stinky. And would you be coming over to my house tonight for a bit of run, sheep run? (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't. Dad read it. (laughs) Got to chop some wood and bring in some coal and haul out the ashes and all stuff like that there. (laughs) Fibber's got a girl. Fibber's got a girl. Fibber's got a girl. Oh, I have not. Ah, Faith and Stinky McGee, you just told me this morning that you like me. Aw, oh, shucks. Hey, who's wanting to play games of Mumbledy Pug? Oh, you mean Mumbledy Peg. That's what I'm saying. Mumbledy Margus. I, I, it is a big oh, game. Oh, 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 oh. Now, let that be a lesson to you, Master Gildersleeve. Oh. The idea of doing that terrible picture of me. You should be ashamed. I didn't do it. I tell you, I didn't. Somebody else did it and signed my name to it. Ah, tell it to Sweeney. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do your drawing standing up now for a while, will oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, one of you fellows do that picture, and I'll find out who did it. I'll get even oh, one yeah. of these days. You'll see if okay. I
doctor. He's coming out of it. He must have been dreaming about something amusing. Look at him smile. Wilbur is a cry, baby. Wilbur is a cry. <laughs> McGee, McGee, snap out of it, dearie. The doctor's all through now. All right, McGee. Sit up. Uh, what? Uh, where? Oh, oh, hi, Molly. Oh, where, where am I? Well, don't you remember, dearie? In Dr. Gildersleeve's office. Little Wilbur Gildersleeve that we went to school with. Oh, oh, yeah. How do you feel now, dearie? Oh, I by the way, McGee, you remember that picture you drew on the blackboard? That uh, gag you pulled on me? Oh, yeah. Well, I just got even. Huh? I just pulled all your teeth. Why, you never know such a thing. Why, he did. Oh, sure. <laughs> think Gildersleeve ain't much of a dentist, Molly. Well, I don't know, McGee. He did some beautiful work for Aunt Sarah. Oh, he did, huh? What was her trouble? <laughs> her sweet tooth. Oh, her sweet tooth. Yeah, she saw some French pastry one night and her mouth watered so fast it washed out two bridges. <laughs> Folks, speaking of playing tricks with the ivories, we're delighted to announce that next week we'll have as our guest that brilliant musical humorist, the star of our summer show, Mr. Alec Templeton. And don't miss him. Good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, Racine, Wisconsin, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night at this same time. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with Quiet, Please, followed by Our Miss Brooks. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.